0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Miami Lit Podcast. We are on location today at History of Miami Museum with a very special guest. Welcome, Natalia. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you for having me. Before we officially get started, I want to congratulate you on this amazing um, adventure you're starting on. You are the first female CEO to head the History of Miami Museum. In over 82 years, if I'm not mistaken. Correct.
1: Um, The first woman and also the first Latina and the first immigrant. So I think it speaks uh, very, very good about where this institution is going, opening spaces for representation.
0: Right. This must be so exciting. And I know I was very excited (laughs) for you. So I can only imagine what you're feeling and your family. You know, it's it's a lot of pride uh, in having this opportunity, a lot of gratitude for the city
1: that is giving me this chance, and a lot of um, commitment, you know, to do it right.
0: Yeah, I, I'm i sure. It's, you have so many amazing plans, which we will get to, but before we do that, let's start at the beginning. So okay. you were born in Mexico. How was your childhood? What do you re- remember best? Um I was
1: born and raised in Mexico. It's a beautiful country um, full of contradictions. And the same way that you have these love and pride of your um, pre Hispanic roots, for example, and your indigenous traditions, is also, there's a lot of discrimination against our indigenous communities. And the same way that you have one of the most uh, rich natural, habitats and resources, you have some of the worst um, wealth disparities. And so I grew up in that contrast, um, and also in my personal life having that contrast. I grew up in a family that you would consider perhaps upper, upper middle class with access to arts, culture, travel, education. But in my home life, my, my mom was a single mom, twice divorced, challenged with raising her own kids because my, pa- my dad was not around. So I was able to experience... Many different aspects, um, of, of, of life and reality and, and, understanding how you need to maintain your own identity and you're proud of yourself in different, um, moments in your life. So it's, it's a beautiful country. I, I uh, celebrate all the um, experiences and educations that I had. Um, but I also could see those disparities that, you know, they are constant in everyday life.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting that you mentioned that, because th- when we think about Mexico, those are not things that we automatically think about. You know, we think about the delicious food and the beautiful places and just it the It can fun be a paradise, people.
1: right? Uh, Mexico yeah. is a very warm uh, culture. People are very... Uh, Given, Um, if one thing it makes me proud of my Mexican roots is the idea of solidarity. Whenever there's a, you know, a a tragedy, uh, an earthquake, or a situation like that, people really come together to help each other. And it has these gorgeous uh, beaches and and uh, touristic destinations. So it's great that that's the image that we have. But it's also, you know, a a country that faces a lot of challenges and a lot of corruption in the government and. Um, you know, the, the thing that struck me the most was that um, the conditions of your birth usually determine your experience in the future. It's very right. hard for you to come out of a circle of poverty. Um, and I see that, you know, with all the uh, reservations that we can have about our experience in America and what this country gives us, I am an example that this country gives us opportunities um, to change your destiny. If, you know, if you have access to certain education, second opportunities, you can change that. Um, And, you know, we have a few cases of that in Mexico, but it's it's, it's a difficult situation too.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, uh, the experience here is unique um, Mm -hmm. as far as opportunities go. Unfortunately, it doesn't extend to, especially places in like in Latin America you're you're absolutely right the place that that station were born into kind of
1: Really holds future, us right? back. From yeah. many aspects is from the education you have access to, for the, right. the nutrition that you're raised with, with the yeah. opportunities to learn and prosper and find new jobs that will develop. So it's a, like, like a constant cycle.
0: Yeah. And
1: it, you know, it's, it's not unique of Mexico. That happens in a lot of our countries in Latin yeah. America. It
0: definitely happens in mine. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, speaking of nutrition, kids in Cuba, I think at seven, they are no longer allowed to have milk. Not allowed. They're not given. Milk um, and just things like that. Their nutrition is not well looked after. So it's those are just little details that you don't think play a part they definitely do right
1: and and sometimes when you're living it, it since it's part of the reality maybe you don't think about it and you right. don't question you know and um, Mexico um they don't they at least before I left they didn't have the type of conversations we have here about mm-hmm. race and social justice um although there's a big movement to celebrate and support indigenous communities right. um in the other hand there's a lot of discrimination against uh, people that look indigenous so you know um in a way I am um, a Latina that was benefit from white privilege, for example. If I, look, if I go somewhere or if you look at me, I you see. might not think, I'm, you know, people tell me all the time, you don't look Mexican. Right. <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, I do have an accent and I've had my own experiences of discrimination because of my access or because I'm a woman, but I also know as a Mexican how privileged I was with my,
0: uh, with my upbringing. That's so interesting. Um, and talking about uh, Miami we kind of sprinkled in there how blessed we are to live in a country where opportunities are so open. Um, What was that transition like for you from Mexico to Miami? Um, Well, it was phenomenal. I never thought I was going to move here and make
1: a life here. Um, I was working in Mexico in a public image agency and, you know, with already these... I call it the bug that bit me of the journalists of you know seeing uh, things that were not fair and making being uncomfortable that there were some voices that needed to be risen and it was not happening. So I wanted to study journalism. Um, at the time, there was already a lot of censorship in, in media and the press, and it was also not safe. So right. especially for, particularly for, for female journalists. So looking about my options, I was able to um, to earn a, a scholarship um, and to attend a, to a university in the US. I originally wanted to go to Spain because of the language, but then I figured, well, Miami's the closest thing that we have to the United States. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And it's gonna be okay that I don't speak the language well. So it was a big transition in the sense that um, it was the first time that I was alone. I didn't have any family or friends or connections. I didn't know anyone. Um, my English was not as good. I would sit at the front of the class and record the whole lecture, and then go back to, to the to the house and just write it down and with my dictionary to make sure I, I could catch up. Um, but it was also a, a city that welcomed me with open arms. You know, it was okay if I had an accent. It was okay if I was Latina. Right. Um, it was not against me. It was uh, part of what made me. Um, another resource in this community. And I think that one of the things that really made me fall in love with Miami is that it's it's a city that is built with people that might be very different in backgrounds, um, but we're similar in courage and entrepreneurial spirit, right? We we all come here, whether we were displaced out of our homes or with hope for a better future, um, it takes courage yeah. to leave everything this behind and start over in a new land, in a new culture. And this these city gives you the opportunity to do that and to flourish and to grow and, and, and become productive and give back.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, I'm biased, but I think <laughs> this is the best city in the world. Um, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, it's just so special, the fact that you have all these different kinds of people from all different walks of life just coming together. And like you said, uh, seeking that opportunity and it doesn't matter if, if we have an accent or wherever it is or that we you're look from different yeah, or it's... you know we, we choose to love someone right. that looks different
1: it's just a matter of um, having a chance to to yeah. to be creative and 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 to build a better life for you and your family
0: do you remember like your first day in the city do you remember that what was the mo- the thing that made the most impact <laughs> that's a good question um it, Miami
1: was not new to me. I had come a couple of times with my grandparents, with my mom, to go to Disneyland. Right. Uh, to Disney World, I mean. Um, and so I was, I was familiar with the city as a tourist. I think what struck to me was um, what I needed to do for the everyday life. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I couldn't, for example, uh, load the gas, the car in the, in the gas, because I was using the diesel instead of the gas and I didn't know what to do and I couldn't you know I didn't understand this signage and just understanding that you have to figure it out Um, and someone came and helped me out and so I think that it was that moment of both incredible freedom having come from a very traditional family very traditional community uh, to all of a sudden understand that I was responsible for my destiny and it was only me and I had to figure it yeah. out. So I think I don't know if it was that first day, but that that moment when I realized, well, so they hit you. It's it's on If you want to be
0: successful, if you want to be happy, it's on you. That's very and it, that's very exciting, but also very <laughs> scary. It is scary. Yeah, because it's all you. There's no one. You to, cannot blame anymore. Blame anymore you know, exactly. Least. That's um, I can't imagine what that would feel like just going to a new city and all by yourself and just having to learn everything. But I'm glad that, that you did, and I'm glad you chose Miami and not Spain. <laughs> Although we love Spain. No no issues with that. Um, do you remember the first time you came to the History of Miami Museum? Oh, It was many years ago. I think I came
1: perhaps 15 years ago. um, But then again, many times when my children. So I think it, it, and and that happened to me also since I was living in Mexico and also while I'm here, sometimes you don't um, take advantage of your own Resources and of your own treasures until someone else comes visit. Like I don't, right. I, I used to not come to History Miami or, or go to the Freedom Tower or go to South Beach unless I had a friend visiting, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but once you become a mom, that changes. It. There's this uh, urge to share part of your story and your heritage with them. So I've, I've used this space as a way to show them um, some of the things that made me fall in love with Miami.
0: Yeah, that... What's your favorite part about the, the museum's mission?
1: Oh, it, that's a difficult question, Jenny, because I think this museum has so much potential. It's not only about collecting, preserving, and telling the stories that have created the city that we live and enjoy today. It's also about the people that make those stories. So every artifact tells a story. And the, the opportunity that History Miami has to build bridges, Um, Of understanding, as we're saying, you know, with this community that is so diverse, um, many of us are are immigrants or transplants or newcomers and the opportunity to create. A shared heritage and to build a sense of place and of belonging um, and of bringing context by looking back at this city's history and make better decisions about the future. What is the city we want to build? What is right. the, the city that we deserve, where everybody feels um, that is a part of it? So um, I really love how. History Miami has focused on opening spaces of, of of representation and making sure that anyone feels welcome and feels like their story
0: is also part of this museum. Yeah, I it's everything you said is so spot on for me as as a, a visitor to the museum because all of that just comes across in what you guys have done and what I'm sure you're going to even amplify much more. Um, but specifically that shared heritage. because I feel like Miami has so many different backgrounds and just so many, even now with the the transplants, as yeah. you just mentioned, it's it can be uh, a challenge to make them feel part of this. This melting pot that we have going on. Well, but that's part of what Miami
1: is about, right? It has always been a city that mixes newcomers with immigrants, with people that, you know, might have been here for generations or families that have been here for many, many, many generations. But the original one was also a newcomer. And it's, it's a city where visionaries come with these great ideas, with many booms many busts unfortunately. Um, but it's part of what makes Miami so so wonderful. And that's why we have food from all over the world and you can go to a store and hear four different languages spoken at the same time. Um, you can see multiracial, multi-ethnic, multi religious families and and but I think that's a, that's a constant work that has to happen. Um, a, all the time, in which sense, in which that, you know, sometimes we can fall when you're new, especially to a city, you can fall to staying within your kind, you know, the people you already know, right. your communities. And part of what we're doing here is say, let's celebrate each other's differences and let's build bridges and, and let's understand that we have a shared part. This is a city we all live in. Mm-hmm. This is a city that needs to be um you know, needs to inspire, aspire to be welcoming for everybody. What is that shared connection that uh, that allows us to to um, dream of a of a city that is something our children deserve? Um, and that you know, you do through the arts, you do through
0: culture. It's how you can connect through your shared humanity, really. Absolutely, is Miami has such an extensive history, right? Because even though people don't realize it it's it's quite an old city um you know not as old as maybe others in the country but we have a couple years under Mm -hmm. our belt what would you say is the most um obscure part of its history that you would like to explore
1: Hmm. well you know obscure uh, obscure is an interesting word um i think miami has um a lot of difficult stories that that need to be told, uh, you know, when you think about, for example, um, the construction boom in the 1900s when Flagg was building the railroads, well, how those, um, how that labor was procured and how um, he would hire um, a the services, the labor of imprisoned black men um, or how immigrants from the Bahamas or people from other states will come and, and build that in a pay in, a, in in work conditions that were not um, yeah. humane. Um, these are difficult part of our story. And I think that part of the importance is to learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable mm-hmm. and understand that. Yes, those are obscure parts of our, of our history. And there's also very inspiring parts of our history. And when you think it's people like Julia Tottle, the mother of Miami and all she had to do, um, to help make this city become what a real city Um, and not only after she gave a lot of her property for the development of the city all the work that she did after you know opening this the 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 uh, different businesses that she opened and the hotel before the palm hotel the royal palm hotel so when you see those particular stories i think there's many individual stories that can be told to help us inspire to 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 do more but also recognize the mistakes that we have made and and be more humble and 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 build trust and build community from that
0: right yeah there's there's so much of that part that time frame that really i agree with you needs to be explored a lot more especially in school so i think uh a setting like this like the museum it's such a, a good way to spark those conversations I think so I mean
1: we have wonderful partnerships with the schools um, and it, it's also um in terms of learning environment, is a more immersive experience when you bring the students to the space when they can yeah. interact with the artifacts. They can when they can talk to our educators. Those artifacts that would otherwise be just standing in a shell comes to life, and and there's something that connects with that action and that listening and that participatory experience in the museum. Can you cannot replicate in the classroom setting? I mean, we also provide a lot of support for the classroom, but I think um, you can see the reaction on the children and 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 how that when that moment moment connects with that live of goes on it's just it's just so fantastic
0: yeah i always feel like um, a library and a museum are the true backbones Mm -hmm. of a city so it's uh i couldn't have said it better Mm -hmm. something does click when kids see all these things that they've read about or heard about right in front of them and in a way where it's accessible and they have a professional there that can let facilitate, them know. yeah,
1: that can facilitate the experience, and yeah. and that is accessible and that is fun, you know. Yes, it's, it, it, it's also an opportunity for for students to explore their creativity, and you know whether they they come to our, our historical exhibitions or they come to um, our folk life um, gallery. Um, there's there's hands-on activities. There's ways for them also to to share their points right. of view, which is also really important to us. You know, it's really about that cross-communication, not um, the traditional voice of the encyclopedic museum that is going to you know mm-hmm. tell you, this is the expert voice, this is what yeah. you're going to do, is inviting the community to be part right. of the storytelling, inviting the students, inviting the visitors to be part of our collective collecting, selecting, preserving, and presenting of stories.
0: And I have to say, you all do such a good job with that because it does feel very inviting and very... Um, not your traditional hands behind your back kind of museum which is i feel like that's the one with, that we grew up with yes so it's it's so nice to be able to come here and and really feel like you're in this fun exciting place
1: um, thank you
0: jenny i think that that's very intentional you
1: know yeah. and um, museums sometimes can be like these big um scary places it's intimidating. Or they're intimidating yeah. and, and and, and that you feel like you don't belong there, um, when you can walk into a museum and you see your story represented, or you understand it might not be the same story, but there's a component of that that resonates with you, and um, and becomes part of you. So I think that's one of the biggest gifts that History Miami Museum gives to the city. Right? It's
0: the museum of the city. It's the museum of the history of the city. Right. Um, you. You've been involved with many other um, cultural affairs throughout the city, like the the Miami Book Fair, mm-hmm. which to me is amazing. It holds a very special place in my heart. Um, as someone who grew up here and as a teacher, I have so many memories with the Miami Book Fair. Um, what What are your hopes for Miami as a city for the next couple of years, oh, based on it. everything you've seen? Yeah.
1: Well, look, I, I was very privileged and, and, and fortunate to work with not only the Miami Book Fair, the Miami Film Festival, the Freedom Tower, Tower Theater, the Performing Arts Units, all the, the very um, strong cultural arms of Miami Dade College. But through that process, to me, what was very inspiring was to see the passion of the people bringing those programs together. The love for the arts, for the craft, but also for the artistic process. And how good we are at partnerships. Half of what we used to do at Miami Book Fair or uh, with our museums and what we do here at History in Miami is is building partnerships with community organizations, with other similar institutions that are like-minded and I think that's what gives me a lot of hope of building Miami forward I think we're in a moment when I came to Miami over 20 years ago there were a few museums but I was able to witness the Renaissance that we have had. These, yeah. from the arts to Pam to Frost to all the the private, uh, collector museums in Alapata, the good and the bad, right? Mm-hmm. The, the beautiful of having this vibrant, rich city uh, that celebrates and produces art, as well as the difficult realities of gentrification and how Miami is looking forward. So I think I am very positive and optimistic about the future. I think Miami. Um, is becoming a leader and a transcenter center in, in all, cult, all culture and arts uh, experiences. Then um, I hope that we also do it with um, a mind for resiliency, for protecting our environment, to making sure that everybody has an opportunity to participate in the, on this Renaissance and, and making sure that there's a democratization of the arts that, you yeah. know, there's an, there's a way in which anyone can have an opportunity to practice but also to enjoy the artistic experiences and and
0: and consume it in different ways the The word "renaissance that you use is so perfect because Miami does feel like it's had a an arts renaissance in the last couple of years, and now we see so many people recognizing. What us as Miami lovers have known for so long, right? We've, we've seen that potential and now everyone else is doing so. Why do you think that um, all of a sudden or what feels like all of a sudden now Miami has the spotlight? Uh, That's a
1: good question. I don't know why Miami has a spotlight. I don't think this is all of a sudden. I think this is decades in the making, right? Uh, History of Miami has existed for 82 years. Miami Book Fair is going to turn 40 soon. Um, Live Arts Miami, Cultura de Lobo was founded 30 years ago. So these institutions began really doing the groundwork for decades. I think the boom has been and in the proliferation of different organizations of, of different scales, you know, the big museums, the small museums, the grassroots programs. And I think the difference is that there's a recognition now of how that enhances the quality of living. And it's very hard, the arts are so t- intangible values that it's very hard for people, for real estate developers and for investors to, to, unless they're real visionaries, to understand the value of it. And so when you realize how having a vibrant arts community having interesting and and beautiful aesthetically pleasing spaces it makes people happier and want to come here and live and and work and and have fun in a beautiful space that offers all of these opportunities so i think that's part of the the mix right that uh, it's not new. It feels yeah. like it's a boom because of the attention that that has brought. But that's why it has also brought all these new transplants, right, from right. California, from New York, because we have beautiful uh, environment, meaning beautiful beaches. We have um, wonderful food from all over the world. We have a, a mix of cultures. So. If you feel like you want to um, listen to music from a particular country or have a taste of food from around the world, you have everything here and world-class artistic experience, really, that you could compare to any big city in the world.
0: That's you, It makes so much sense to hear you say that. And uh, it does feel sudden, but you're right. It's it's not. It's been a long time in the making. <laughs> and we're just happy that now everyone else gets to to see it and enjoy it for what it is. Uh, so you, along with the museum, are both making history. What would you say is uh, your biggest goal now? Uh, my biggest goal? I think um,
1: my, my biggest goal is twofold. I think the museum is is doing now a very incredible job uh, with the type of programs that we're presenting, the exhibitions that we're presenting, Um and, and the engagement that we have with the community. So I want to continue amplifying that and supporting that work, but also start envisioning our new home um, and how we can find many different ways to tell different stories, taking advantage of the extraordinary collection that we have, but also utilizing and leveraging new technologies that would allow us to make these experiences more interactive, more immersive, so so we can also eliminate barriers of participation through technology. So I think those are, if you say, what is my goal, more important now is to continue to to bringing attention and awareness and traffic to our current home, but also re-envision what this next state of the museum will be. A museum that responds to the expectations of a sophisticated city like Miami it should have a museum that responds to that. Um, and um, this is a very exciting time for me. Um, and, um, and it's really an opportunity to dream, right? To reimagine what, what we think this could be. Um, it's it's a fantastic foundation with an extraordinary collection that has yet many stories to be told and I'm I'm very uh, much dreaming
0: about how we can find new ways to tell those stories yeah it's it's a very exciting thing but also a huge responsibility because you are cradling the kind of like the pulse of the city in a way if that makes sense and showcasing all the things that make us us and uh, even those parts that we don't really want to take a look at um what what would you say preserving history means to you and why should we all care in a way well, if we don't know our history and where we're coming from, we cannot really define
1: where we're going. And, you know, there's that old saying that says that those that don't know their history, they are destined to repeat it. And that means the good and the bad. I think that um, the reality is that our history is also what we're living today. So our everyday now, the, the world that we are creating now, the decisions that we're making are going to be history. So understanding how we got here perhaps helps us better to move forward. So I think that's why it's so important to preserve this history. And in a time in which we're dealing with alternative facts and alternative realities, and one side uh, completely shutting down the uh, the other and becoming completely intolerant in both sides of the the political spectrum, um, how we can use solid research, scholarship, fact-based information to provide perspective, to draw parallels, it yes. will help us understand today and our situation better if we look at our past and also make informed decisions about how we want to build towards the future. So I think right. it's absolutely necessary. Um, but it's also a way of binding community, you know, especially in a city that is being so diverse with so many changes, um, understanding how we came here and how we all influence and depend on each other, I think it's critical for us to to build forwards at a community that is inclusive, that celebrates our differences, that finds strength in that difference um, and not a challenge or a risk on it. And I find that to be a privilege, but honestly, Jenny, it's not something I do alone. You know, I have a fantastic team at the museum of professionals who know what they're doing. I have a fantastic team of, in my board. I have a, a community of advisors and, you know, I was a journalist for many, many years. And what you do is you, you know, you do your research, you support yourself with the facts, you you stand hands and, and bring the experts to to guide your decision-making. So in a way, yes, it's a big responsibility, but
0: I'm not at it alone. I, I you know, I stand on the on the shoulders of giants. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm so excited to see what you're all going to accomplish because uh judging by what you have going on now, it's it's very, very exciting. Do you have any exhibits that are you can share with us that oh, you're yes, very absolutely. excited about? Well,
1: I am very lucky that the, the timing of my appointment coincided with this wonderful exhibition that we're flying in from New York. And it's called uh, "Black Citizenship in the Time of Jim Crow," and it looks at the 50 years after the civic War and all the challenges, the the successes, and also the the very difficult process to earn full citizenship and and social justice. And so that comes from. The Historic Society of New York, but we're pair, we're pairing it locally um, in a way that History of Miami partners with local uh, communities to bring that same perspective. To our town, to our reality. So we have histories of Black resistance in Miami from the end of the Civil War to Black Lives Matter, uh, informed by people that were part of that resistance. Wow. So it's something that is very powerful. We're looking forward to op- uh, to open it soon. Um, I invite your listeners to come and check it out um, because it's really, really a fantastic um, exhibition. And we also have uh, Culture Fest, which is one one day of full celebration. Um, have everything that makes Miami's many hours of um, activations, uh, performances, music, food,
0: activities for all the family, and that's on November 12th. November 12th. Yes. We'll make sure to have everything linked down below and links to the museum so that people can access that um, fairly easily. Um, I that's so exciting. I'm really looking forward to obviously uh, Culture Fest because that's a just a party. It sounds fun. like, <laughs> yes. But I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing the exhibit that um, that is coming up. I think that's going to be interesting, obviously. But one of those painful things that you want to see and make sure you're aware of because, like you said a little bit ago, so much information is getting muddled and lost. So it's uh, well, and I think it's also
1: important. Yeah, it's not only important and necessary; it's also allows us to create context, right? To understand Mm -hmm. why. Um, situations are today the way they are. If we don't look right. at that and we don't learn from that, really? then how, how do we expect to get bit better too, right? So how do we get here and how do we make sure that we build forward together in Absolutely. a positive way, you know,
0: upwards and not backwards? Yes, mm-hmm. that's such a great outlook to have. Mm-hmm. I love that. So we are a literary podcast, so I have to ask you about um, your favorite book. What's the one book that you would recommend our... Our listeners. Oh, my
1: God. That's a tough question that we recommend because, you know, I've had favorites of our life that I read a couple of times, like Crime and Punishment or in search. Of, I was going to say in French, <laughs> looking for the time perdu in search of the Lost time. Uh, but there's one book that I read when I was coming on age, almost a kid. I think I was 11 or 12. And then I, let in, I read it in my 30s. And then every time I, I had a different um take on it and it's uh, the little prince el principito um uh, oh Le Petit and it's you know it's such a simple book and in a way so deep too about the yeah. human existence and love and letting go um and you know now my kids read it and you know to them it's all about the fantasy and the planets and they enjoyed you know, it they did they did but they saw something completely different so right. you know you you talk about sometimes you know Books that are transcendent that really change the way you mm-hmm. see the world, and you know I have those. But one of those books that is my comfort
0: go-to, yeah, um, that would be that, The Little Prince. It's so funny that you're saying that because I was having uh, lunch with a, a friend yesterday, and our youngest are in class together, and she was telling she was uh, not concerned, but we were just talking about reading and making sure that they're doing well when with reading. And she said, You know, he doesn't want to read. And I said, mm. Well, you need to make sure that he's reading for fun. What are you guys reading? And she said, El Principito. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think a seven year old. Yeah. Can no, really so. so maybe well, I need lucky. to rethink well, my opinion. Well, I'm
1: lucky because my kids are readers. Um yeah. I, you know, I have not influenced it that much. Yes, I would bring them to the book fair and I will always, say, you know, you meet your author, um, right. but they're readers. And um they, you know, they enjoy it and we have different conversations about it. But yeah. with them right now, they're all about um the mythology. So all the books about the Percy Jackson. The Percy series and all of that that's all about whether fun you know it's fun and it also talks about things that they care about so you know just finding joy in learning you know sometimes i think we take ourselves too seriously and and we think learning and process is to be you know you have to sit and study but sometimes i joke around that i say you have to put the vitamin inside the chocolate cake yes right enjoy exactly. the cake and you get your nutrients too so find a book that is fun and that you know a theme that it will excite them and and the love for learning and the love for, for
0: reading will come exactly mm-hmm. but The Little Prince is uh, it's also it holds a special place in my heart it's yes, one of those I. books that I remember reading and being like oh my gosh I read a whole book on my own I you know? know when you're young and, yeah. and now it's like you realize it's so small but at that age it was such a, a An accomplishment, such an achievement, and Um, you think it's such basic, you know, such a basic
1: story, but it has such a deep human. It's very complex.
0: It's very complex, Mm -hmm. and as you said, uh, different stages in your life, it can really speak to you differently. So that one, such it's a masterpiece for sure. Um, If you could have any, if you could spend the day with any Miami historical figure, who would you choose? Yeah, let me think about it any
1: Miami historical figure that's a good question um, you know I would like to, to, to answer with a different answer someone asked me one day what do you think is the most important story of Miami history and my answer was our collective history oh. the way that we all participate in this so if you ask me who do I want to meet sometimes is that random stranger that I find on the street and all of a sudden helps me see something in a different way. So I don't, you know, though I'm a buff for history and I love history, I think um, the stories that you can find in the simplest moments and in the people that you just walk by the street and not really pay attention, sometimes that can be the most compelling. So um, I'll say the person I want to spend time with is the next person I meet, you know,
0: I've never gotten that answer. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. 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 And you're, yeah, you're, make, you're giving me food for thought. Yeah. Because it's true. Sometimes we feel like these people that we've read about make such an impact. And obviously they do. That's what we're reading about them. But we forget to, to be present in the moment and have those that are really interacting with us make an impact. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's being
1: present, too, but it's also the kindness of strangers. Sometimes yeah. you don't know what stories they had, what the depth of their knowledge or their experiences. And, you know, I think that's the cool thing about Miami. We all bring our own baggage mm-hmm. of bad stuff, but also our own beautiful background. And and that's what makes this city
0: so fantastic. Perfect. Thank you so much for for having us no, and for sharing. You, it's a and wonderful for, conversation. Yeah. And as you can see, our galleries
1: are active it's and we have visitors. It's filling us. Yeah, it's filling this up. Is So <laughs> exciting.
0: This is there's so many parts of the museum that I love, but this room is so special. I yeah. don't know. I don't know if it's the colors well, or you know, it's it's this is the room, the Folk Life Gallery the room that celebrates
1: everything about Miami. So yeah. you might have a different surprise each time, you know, from a banjo to a little um stuffed that is wearing a guayabera to la caja china you know from uh, peruvian uh, music and instruments so it's it's a little bit of of all of us right yeah. and and what makes us fun and wonderful and and a community
0: i absolutely agree and i'm so glad that uh, we had this great conversation i hope everyone comes to the museum and checks out the brand new exhibit and enjoys, because there's a lot to be enjoyed here. And I look forward to seeing all the amazing accomplishments you're all going to to bring together for us um, as just city dwellers. And to everybody listening and watching, thank you so much for spending time with us. We know time is the top currency, so the fact that you chose us to spend them mm-hmm. with means so much. And we'll see you next time. Thank you, Jenny, for having me. And thank you. And does your time. Come to History in Miami. You won't regret it.